Hello everyone, how are you? Zach Scro here with you all from Neighborhood Church, and we are going to jump right into today's message on joy, the second fruit of the Spirit. Naturally, most of us define joy as this extreme experience of pleasure or happiness that we have. Like, for example, in me, uh, this past Tuesday, I got to watch my oldest daughter, Gracie, play lacrosse, and she scored seven goals. And I think it was two scrimmages that they played, two or three, I'm not quite sure. But I just felt so good and so great and so much happiness. And that's kind of how we tend to define joy in the world in which we live. But speaking from a Christian and biblical perspective, joy has a much fuller meaning, meaning that explains why we get those extreme senses of happiness and pleasure. And it tends to tie those experiences of extreme happiness and pleasure to a faith and hope in something more, in something greater, or at least those experiences of happiness and pleasure that we call joy should be tied to a faith and hope in something greater and something more from a biblical and Christian perspective. So for today, we are going to look at Christian joy in two ways, hoping that it leads us and helps us to start to cultivate that fruit in our lives. So first, we're going to look at the paradoxical nature of joy. A paradox is a claim that is contradictory by nature, but seemingly true. So uh, you guys know these all the time. Maybe some of the more ones, uh, paradoxical statements that you're familiar with are uh, the, the one, oh, I, I, it's so old, but you've got to spend money to make money. Or how about this one? If you're in sports or business, the more you fail, the more likely you are to succeed. Or how about this famous Jesus paradox that I'm sure all of you guys are aware of where he says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And to be honest, Christian joy is no different because in this life, it almost is impossible to experience true joy without pain or sadness. Listen to what... C.S. Lewis says about joy. He says, It is that of an unsatisfied desire which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. And if you're wondering, I'm going too fast or you need me to repeat it, this is all available for everybody in their house churches. But I will say that part again. It is that of an unsatisfied desire which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. Seemingly a paradox. He goes on to say that joy must be sharply distinguished from both happiness and from pleasure. Joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with them, the fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. Apart from that, he says, and considered only in its quality, it might, might almost equally well be called a particular kind of unhappiness or grief. Another paradox. But then it is a kind we want. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. Speaking of joy. But then joy is never in our power and pleasure often is. Tough quote from Lewis. Again, it's available for you in your, in your Sunday discussion guide. But what Lewis is saying is that joy transcends happiness and gladness, yet ironically is unhappiness and grief 
all at the same time. It's a paradox that I hope you guys will spend some time discussing in your house churches as it relates well to our passage for today. And in case you're finding it just a, a bit difficult to understand this nuanced Christian joy, I'll explain it a bit further. So how many of you guys out there have seen the 2015 movie Inside Out? think it's Disney or Pixar or one of those. It's about this young girl, Riley, who for most of her life has been a joyous little girl until she moved from the Midwest to San Francisco, leaving her life behind. And the depth of the movie is amazing because it portrays her life through certain emotions going on inside of her, of how she's dealing with this move and how these emotions that are going on inside of her relate and, and make up her uh, relate to the memories that she has and uh, that help make up her core identity. And the entire movie portrays the emotion of joy trying to rule Riley's mind and heart, hoping that it leads to joy in her life. So this emotion of joy tries to control and suppress all the other emotions, especially that of sadness. Maybe sounds familiar in some of our lives today. And this causes a chain reaction that leads to the breakdown of Riley as every emotion inside of her just literally goes haywire. And in the end, what the emotion joy realizes is that for a person to be complete, a person to be whole, they have to feel the range of all emotions. And joy finally lets sadness touch those core memories that joy was trying to protect. And that's where it got me. That's uh, We're watching this movie a while back with our kiddos. And I'm just weeping at this part because I'm realizing uh, lots of different things about myself and about the importance of joy and sadness and their relationship. And, and look, it's in this movie, it's not that sadness was making those joyous memories sad, but rather the emotion of sadness was allowing Riley to grieve those joyous memories, the losses of those joyous times in her life because she moved from the Midwest to San Francisco. And it's that it was in this grieving, it was in this sadness that Riley was able to regain herself and to seemingly recover who she is. And in this movie, Joy is protecting one really sad moment in Riley's past. Uh, not letting her feel it because she thinks it will take her further down into the dark hole of this emotional turmoil that she's in. But Joy sees that in this particular sad memory of Riley missing the game-winning hockey shot, that she is comforted by both her parents and her teammates, and in that memory, Riley's sadness was turned to joy, something very familiar to our passage for today. And I share that little bit with you about the movie because it's a beautiful picture of the paradoxical nature of joy and its relationship to sadness and grief, kind of like how Lewis described it. What brings us joy may at some point bring us deep sadness and grief. Uh, may even cause us pain in our life, but that if we allow ourselves to engage that sadness, uh, it can and will turn to joy. And so let's take a brief look at our passage for today to see how that can happen and to see how sadness and grief can give birth to joy. So I'm not going to read it for you. Hopefully you guys read it already today in your house churches, but it's John 16 verses 16 through 24. And in, in this little bit, this little snippet, Jesus refers to his death 
and the sadness and tragedy of his death that will give birth to the disciples' joy because of Jesus' resurrection. And this joy that will be birthed in the disciples, Jesus says two very important things. First, no one will ever be able to take it away from them. No one will ever be able to take it away from them. Secondly, in verse 24, Jesus talks of this joy as a joy that will complete the disciples' joy, which uh, inherent within that statement is that the joy that the disciples had was lacking in some nature. And so as we look at that in the passage for today, it kind of begs two questions. First, what is this kind of joy that seems to complete the disciples' joy that is lacking? Or if you want to personalize it, what is this kind of joy that seems to complete our joy, which is lacking? And then two, how do we take hold of this joy and see it developed within us. So first, this joy that Jesus speaks of is our resurrected life that we receive in and from Jesus. And if you think just for a moment back to the story and reference to the text, it becomes obvious with the analogy he uses of a pregnant woman giving birth. And he says this, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. There is new life that is birthed from pain and anguish. And Jesus' death leads to our new life, a resurrected life, a new life that will never end and is fully complete in Him. Or as one commentator references this complete joy as the continuing impact of such a fulfilling joy. And if you think about it, what could ever be more fulfilling or more complete or more joyous than having a life that never ends, that goes on forever into an eternal euphoria where we get to spend all of eternity with Jesus? And you see, the joy in this world, those experiences that we have, the experience that I had this past Tuesday with Gracie scoring so many goals, it, this almost indescribable sense of ecstasy and happiness. You see, it's, it's fleeting, and it's something that we are always desiring and, and looking for and yearning for. And the beauty of that fleeting joy that we all experience here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing is that that's a taste of the joy that's completed, but yet is still to come in Jesus. That joy that is still to come when our sin and death will once and for all be taken care of. When not just our joy will be made complete, but we as human beings will be made complete. All of which, all of which what I just said is the good news that brings great joy. And so it begs a, another question. How do we start to see and feel that kind of joy now in our lives, especially at a time where we're coming out of the pandemic and have experienced loss and deaths in a way that maybe is unimaginable. Um, maybe some of you out there are experiencing personal pain, whether it's health or loss of job, loss of friendship, um, and, and you're in a state where you think, feeling joy and experiencing uh, the fruit of joy in your life is impossible. I think the guys from the Bible Project, you guys know them, I quote them often, they can, they can help us in this regard. I'm going to quote something from them and then give you a, a way in which we can begin to do this as we conclude here. And they say, the guys from the Bible Project, that when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable 
in the darkest of circumstances. I'm going to say it one more time. When you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. And there is no weather, there is no better way to begin to believe that than seeing Jesus' love actively overcome the death and darkness within you. And so here is the easier said than done answer to start seeing that joy developed in your life. Quite simply, we must do what Riley did in the movie Inside Out, and we must allow ourselves to grieve our losses and the many deaths that we've had in our life. We must go deep down into the rabbit hole of darkness that exists within our life and feel and mourn our losses and deaths as best we can. And when we start to do that, we don't go down there by ourselves. We must embrace Jesus' invitation to travel down into the darkness that exists within with us and bring him in to our grief and to our sadness. And as we do this, as we open ourselves up to doing this with Jesus, just like the disciples' grief was turned to joy, our grief, our sadness, our darkness can be turned to joy because in that, in mourning our losses and mourning our deaths, we will see Jesus and we, get this, get this, we will see resurrection because resurrection cannot be birthed. Resurrection can only be birthed from death. So we have to go into the, the depths of our soul where our losses and deaths exist so that Jesus can bring resurrection life to those powers. He can give us hope and he can bring joy to the very pain and sadness that we feel. And Jesus' resurrection and new life will give us a joy that has an eternal trajectory that will keep us growing and moving towards that. And we will start to realize that these fleeting joys that we experience in this life are on this earth are foretastes of an eternity of joys to come. And that, my friends, will give us hope and faith for the time when we will meet and see Jesus face to face and move into an eternity of permanent joy. So as we close, as we take Jesus deep into the death within, his new life, his resurrection life, will birth those seeds of joy in our heart that will eventually develop into the fruit of joy in our life, the fruit of new life joy. And as that occurs, our dispositions will change and the fruit of joy will grow and grow and grow and grow even amidst our suffering. And it will bring us to a point that we can even be joyous in our suffering because we have a future hope in Jesus that we can quite literally take hold of now. So thank you guys always for tuning in. And as always, may you go in the grace and peace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Bye-bye.